Beards for Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Beards for Radio podcast. Hopefully, the Ohio State University uh, doesn't sue us for overemphasizing the word the. As always, <laughs> I am Joe. And I'm Sasha. And uh, we're about two weeks out now from college football. You know, that's that's what we based this show on when we first started. You know, our first episode was uh, two years ago today. I just saw it in my Facebook memories. So, uh, happy anniversary, Sasha. Oh, thank you, buddy. Happy anniversary to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And, um, yeah, football season is approaching fast. And, you know, that really kicks off the rest of the sports year that we enjoy obviously baseball goes on all year but um we don't really care about that one as much <laughs> so sasha i want to preview the upcoming season for both michigan and michigan state um so i'll let you take your pick on whoever you want to go with first um i'm uh i'm gonna uh hand it over to you and let you go run with state because i've been Reading a lot about Michigan, hearing a lot about Michigan, of course, Harbaugh with the whole fickle incident, you know, it's just been in the news, saturated, saturated. I've not heard a lot from the Lansing camp as usual, so I'm going to let you take it away because I'm kind of intrigued to see what uh, the uh, the Spartans have in store for us. All right. Well, there's a lot of mystery going around East Lansing these days. Um, you know, early this year, about January, Mark D'Antonio he made changes, but he really did it in the most Mark D'Antonio way possible in that nobody actually lost their job. A lot of people got demoted. Some people got promoted. Brad Salem is now the offensive coordinator for Michigan State, and Dave Warner is back to being the running backs coach. And they're not really tipping their hand at any type of – they're not tipping their hand at all at what kind of offense this might be. When Brad Salem was an offensive coordinator and head coach at the D2 level, he mostly ran spread offenses. But as we all know, Mark D'Antonio just – he does not run the spread. Like that's just (laughs) – that goes together like we go with shaving cream and razors, you know. (laughs) So so I have a lot of questions that – can't be answered until probably two or three weeks into the season but you know the defense it it's really potentially as good a defense as mark d'antonio has ever had i think this defense just top to bottom like the front seven is so strong with the d line and the linebackers um that the secondary is kind of the weakness but the secondary is very solid david dowell is a fifth year senior he is a former first-team All-Big Ten selection. Josiah Scott was a freshman All-American before missing most of 2018. He's coming back. So, yeah, the defense, I think the only issues is can they force more takeaways? Their plus, uh, their turnover differential last year wasn't great, but the offense really struggled hanging on to the ball. But I love the depth that they have on the defensive line. Kenny Willekes is back. Raekwon Williams, Mike Panishuk, Jacob Panishuk are the starters. Um, they are, they're all multi-year starters now. And then you got some pretty good backups in Naquan Jones and uh, Jack Camper on the D-line. And, you know, you, you can't talk about Michigan State football 
without talking about Joe Bocci. Um, I just think this guy coming into his third year as the starter at middle linebacker, he's as solid as they come. He's really like – I heard it recently, you know, Michigan State has had the Bulla brothers at middle linebacker, Max Bulla and Riley Bulla. Max, his nickname was the computer because he, he knew everything that the other team's offense had in their playbook. So he could diagnose it like a machine. And Riley was more kind of faster, athletic. Um, he used to be a running back for part of his career at Michigan State. Bocce is really the best of both of those players. He's got the smarts that Max had, and he's got the athleticism that Riley had. You know, he, he's, he's really the, the exact type of leader that Mark D'Antonio has always looked for in a middle linebacker. So the defense, I really have very few questions there. Um, but again, the offense – was just so abysmal last year. Like, right. I've never seen a football team that was so uh, unbalanced from one end to the other. Like, I've never seen one unit be so good and the other be so astonishingly bad. And yes, injuries were a part, but a lot of it was also execution. So, most of the season for Michigan State hinges on Brian Lewerke. Obviously, he's a quarterback. You know, in 2017, we we were both very high on Lewerke, especially me. I I couldn't stop gushing about Lewerke. And the last year, it kind of seemed like his confidence, for whatever reason, like even early in the season, it seemed like it was shot. And injuring his shoulder didn't help, but I really wish I, – I really – it was really frustrating that they weren't utilizing his legs more. So I think the key, if, if Lewerke is indeed healthy, is to let him loose, you know. Let him run around when he needs to because his legs are just as big a threat as his arm. He's a right. dual threat quarterback. So right, right. I want to see more of that. Um, I think like Michigan, Michigan State has some questions at running back. But yeah, for Michigan State, they're at the point in Mark D'Antonio's tenure where I could see them winning ten games. In all honesty. And it being a disappointing season because with the defense that you've got at Michigan State and with where Mark D'Antonio has taken them, if you don't get back to Indianapolis and at least play in the Big Ten championship game, the season is a disappointment. So that's that's where I'm at for Michigan State. Okay, you're talking about Big Ten championship or bust, huh? At least at least get to the championship game. Okay, that that's fair enough, man. Um, so so no more bullas on the team. There's no more bullas on the team, right? Right. No, they're all gone. So this is the first time in like what, like ten years that you haven't had a bull on the Michigan State team. How's that feel to you? It's it's new territory. It's like right. not having Tom Izzo on the sideline. That's true. That's true. I mean, you you get so accustomed to you know certain staples in uh in your team <laughs> that you 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 understand that you know uh you know, players come and go, but like the Bullas are like, kind of like the, um, uh, the, what you got, the, what you call it brothers, um, the Bosa brothers and the Bosa family, you know, from Iowa state, you, you know, it's, yeah. this is, this is like a family lineage, a legacy. So it's, it's kind of weird not seeing, you know, a Bosa, you know, I, I don't even know if there's a Bosa in Iowa state or there's not a Bullet in Michigan state, but it's kind of weird not seeing them. But, um, I guess that's just, um, we're gonna have to wait for those guys to have kids to, um, to take <laughs> over, uh, Michigan State, but yeah, man, I haven't um heard a lot from State, but um 
I, I, I gotta, I gotta agree with you, especially on the, um, on the, uh, the worky part, you know, like the, the year before, you know, last season, 2017 season, you know, Lewerke was, you know, playing how I wanted Shea Patterson to play on the run. You know what I'm saying? Because Shea Patterson's strength is on the run. He's not a pocket passer. He never will be. Um, maybe that changes here. I don't know. Only time will tell. But, you know, you know, his strengths are like Lewerke's strength. He has he, – he's good mobily. You know what I'm saying? So I think you're right. They just need to let Lewerke go. But – you know, like you said, Lewerke hurt his shoulders and didn't use a lot of his feet. You think maybe that he had some kind of uh, a leg ailment or an injury that kind of, you know, slid under the radar, which didn't let him go to that, you know. Yeah. You could think that, you know. So, yeah, I think you're, you're right. He needs to step up. I think your defense has a lot of uh, uh, returning guys coming back. So, I think you're right. You, you know, you, your defense, you know, is in a good spot. Right, right. But like you said, Lewerke, if he's going to play like he did last year, you know, good luck on your 10-game win season. You know what I'm saying? I think it really, really, really lies with, you know, your quarterback. And, you know, who do you you guys got running the ball? Is um, LJ Scott coming back? No more LJ Scott. Right now uh, it's a competition between Connor Hayward, Ladarius Jefferson, Anthony Williams, and – uh, Elijah Collins. Those are like the four main uh, competi- co- competitors at running back. And I liked um, Haywood. Is that his name? Haywood? Um, Connor Haywood. Connor Haywood. I liked him. You know, I think he's a good sized back. I think he's strong. I think that's going to be your dude to um, to take all the bulk yeah. of the runnings for he's sure. He's really versatile, too. I, li- I like that in a running back. Right, and and your wide receivers, you know, last year you uh, losing Felton Davis to injury, and then to the, you know, the NFL. I forget who picked them up. They picked them up. I I think um, the Chiefs picked them up. What a great pickup for the Chiefs. You know, what I'm saying they got they got speedsters like Tariq Hill, and then they got a, a, those big hybrid wide receivers like Felton Davis that I totally taught about. I love hybrid big wide receivers that can they can run as fast as these small dudes. You know, and, and, and leap out of the stadium like the Calvin Johnson. So, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot on your offense that's you know yet to be seen. So mm-hmm. you're right. It's it's kind. Of, you guys are kind of like a little. You guys are like an enigma wrapped in a riddle. You know what I'm saying? And, and you and you can't necessarily count them out because it's Dan Antonio. I mean, one hell of a coach. He's he's done a great job. Um. Like you said, it's kind of weird that he doesn't get rid of his coaches. He kind of is like demotes and promotes, promotes and demotes. Right. You know kind of like, you know, if I was there, like, I, I've been loyal, bro. You know, what's going on? But sometimes loyalty needs to get thrown out the window for, you know, for a championship wins and, you know, domination. So, yeah, right. I think you're, I think your assessment of Michigan State is kind of spot on because, like I said, I've, I've been kind of like sitting back. You know, I've been in the middle of a move. Um, I've been, you know, reading Michigan here and there, listening to them on a ticket here and there, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I kind of had that feeling about state, but like, I gotta be, you're, you're pretty good on with the assessments from what I've been hearing. So. Thank you. And you know, the defense is, it's at that level where Michigan state will be in every game. So the offense, they don't need to put up 35, 40 points. Really. If, if the offense can score somewhere between, 24 to 28 or you know on a good day give me 34 35 points like 
Yeah, 10 wins, honestly, should be a breeze with uh, the way the schedule sets up. But again, if you win 10 games and you don't get to Indy, it's just not good enough. Right. 10 wins was good enough a couple of years ago when you were coming off a 3-9 and nine season and um, half your roster was decimated by transfers and ejections. Like, But when you got what you have coming back, no, like, it, it has to end at least with a shot at the Big Ten title. So you've got to win the East. And um, it sets up where Michigan State, the schedule, they should be either undefeated or have one loss when they play at Ohio State. And Ohio State's breaking in a new quarterback and a new coach, but that's a night game at Ohio Stadium. So really that's the game for me that I've got circled. Right. It's pretty it's like it's like halfway through the season at Ohio State. If you can pull that off, then you know, the rest of the schedule kind of looks like a breeze. But that's a long ways away. We'll see how they play against Tulsa two weeks from now, you know. Right, most definitely. And you're right, it's 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 Ohio State, man. You can like I don't care what anybody says, as much as I don't like Ohio State, you can't you gotta give credit where credit's due and you can't count them out. You, you, you'll never be able to count them out. You know, you know, I think their track record, you know, I got to say this, their track record makes it so you have to. You have to respect them in, in a sense. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like the Patriots. Right. It's like, like you can talk crap all you want about the Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm a Tom Brady fan. I'm not a Patriots fan. I don't like to see them win. But you can never count them out. You can never bet against Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Yeah, it's a slippery slope when it comes to Ohio State, buddy. I think I think I think both both of our um programs kind of feel that same way. So Exactly. Yeah. And and um if you you good with state, you want to flip over to Michigan? Yeah, I just wanna say like Michigan State's receivers are kinda of in the same boat as Lewerke, where like we saw Daryl Stewart and Cody White produce in twenty seventeen and they dealt with some injuries uh in twenty eighteen. So it's a big year for them, too. Daryl Stewart's a senior. Cody White's a junior. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Jalen Naylor last year, but he missed a lot of time. He's only a sophomore, but he's as fast a player as I've seen um, maybe since Denard Robinson. But, yeah, so that's that's my take on Michigan State. So you got a group of guys that have, have been together, and you you mix you're like sprinkling in new new flavors, you know. So I get that, yeah. I get it, you know what I'm saying. So that they, they have a good foundation to go off of this season. So I'm with you on that one. As for Michigan, I'm gonna go with the track record again, man. I've been disappointed. I've been disappointed ever since Jim Harbaugh came into uh, being a head coach for Michigan. I was glad that going into this preseason get closer to the regular season that Harbaugh was shutting his mouth and he was staying off of social media and they weren't taking him to stupid places like Rome or satellite camps or Spain, how they wanted to go. And I was happy. It was, he was quiet. I hope he's focusing on this. And then all this stupid Luke fickle stuff comes out and then he has to stoop and do the stupid Twitter finger thing again. I'm, um, I'm beyond that kind of crap. I just want him to shut his mouth and, you know, just coach football. With that said, though, uh, I'm glad that he's totally given full reins to uh, to Gaddis here. You know what I'm saying? Gaddis OC came out of Alabama. You know, that, that, that's one hell of a resume to, you know, to have uh, one hell of a, a school to have on your resume, you know. So I'm glad he's, he's given the reins over. But 
can he stay back and not micromanage at this point? You know what I'm saying? I hope he right. can. I, 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 that's what I want him to do. But with the offense, man, I just – me, like I said, Patterson is best when he's on the run, you know, and I feel like this is the same question every single year that Harbaugh's been here is who is going to be our quarterback. It's kind of finally answered. But All right, so, yeah, so with that said, I'm, I'm glad that Harbaugh is giving full reins over to Josh Gaddis, um, you know, the new OC coming out of Alabama. It's, it's one hell of a school to have on your resume. Um, but, like, the question still remains is, you know, we all know that Patterson's the quarterback. But I feel like we're back to square one because even though we know who the quarterback is, I feel like it, it, it's still not set in stone, uh, you know, because McCaffrey keeps getting thrown in the mix, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I, I really want to see how he handles both these quarterbacks, is if he utilizes them both, because I really don't want to see um, McCaffrey hit the transfer pool, to be honest with you. I don't want to see it. Um, uh, the, the offense, though, you know, uh, with 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 Peoples Jones, he's the only healthy wide receiver we got. Really, you know, Black Nico Collins. Nico Collins just came off of surgery out of offseason. Black uh, Tariq missed most of the uh, spring training because of an injury. So it's like, you know, what is going on? Who's going to be our definite receiver? Are they going to be healthy to to move on through the season? I don't know. I'm looking at dudes like uh, this new slot receiver that they have, Mike Sirin Ristel, Sane Ristel. You know, he's a freshman, but he's one of the the, uh, the, uh, the starting slot position. I want to see how he acclimates into that, you know, the whole yeah. mix. Um, I like the fact that we um, we have four starters, uh, upperclassmen starters returning on the line in Runyon, uh, Bredesen, uh, Ruiz, and uh, Anwenyu. Uh, I see that the right tackle, they were fighting for a spot between um, Steuben and uh, Stuber and Mayfield. Stuber ended up winning that slot position, so he's going to be the right tackle. And, of course, you got uh, uh, Sean Mc, uh, McCune on a uh, tight end. So there's there, there's there's a mix of – they have a, a lot of people coming back on offense. Yeah. But the question is, is can, can these wide receivers stay healthy? And do they have – High grade talent to back them up if they're if they're if they're not healthy, you know. And you know they got they got True Wilson as their starting running back. That's what they have starting. But you know he did okay last year. He didn't do, you know. Oh yeah. oh my god, you know what I'm saying he wasn't their workhorse. Um, they also have you know Zach Charbonneau. You know he was a freshman last year. We haven't even seen him. He's coming off of a, a surgery. Chris Turner, who had a pretty good game in the. Uh, uh, Peach Bowl, and he's he's hit or miss here and there. He's a little dude. He's coming off of another injury, uh, miss a lot of spring training. So it's like our talent positions, man, they're not, to me, 100% healthy, and that is scary, you know? So um, I'm, I, I hope these guys work out, you know what I'm saying, because they have a lot of upper class to come back on offense, but still, but yeah. still, injury always plays – mad keys and stuff so right. like I, I i i hope they stay healthy but I, there's this there's this really scary chance that not all of them are going to stay healthy knock on what i hope it happens but you know it, it, as a michigan fan i gotta sit here and i gotta i gotta be a little worried i'll be a little concerned you know even if you look on the defensive end you know we lost a lot of guys to the nfl 
We lost. We lost Bush. You know, uh, Chase Vinovich. We lost Rashawn Gary. Justin Long, underrated cornerback. We lost him too. You know what I'm saying? So, what do we do now? Then uh, Don Brown has a lot of uh, retooling to do. You know, the, uh, who, who do we who do we really have coming back on defense at at this point? You know, Quiddy Pay. Yeah, Kemp. Kemp. We have uh, you know, Khalid Hudson, uh, Lavert Hill, and Josh Metellus are going to be our cornerbacks or, or our two leaders in the secondary. But then after that. Who do you have, really? You know, you got you got these you got these young guys coming up. You got Daxon Hill, you know, DJ Turner. They're new guys, um, but are they ready to go right away? You know, you got a uh, new guy, Anthony Solomon, a uh, linebacker. He's new freshman. Is he ready to go right away? I don't think they are. So what's really scary to me is that they have all these moving parts on offense and defense. They have all these guys that have came back upperclassmen, but they're not, to me, straight up in the clear when it comes to injuries, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think I think Michigan is is even a bigger conundrum than Michigan State health-wise, you know what I'm saying? So if these guys can stay healthy, you know, I, I, I want to ride this, you know, hype train that this nation's saying that they have, you know, the best chance to win the Big Ten. They have a – huge chance to go into the uh, playoffs and that's great. I love it. I love it. But you know, track records, I go off track records, man. And I'm going to go off the track record that Michigan has never, not really beaten any significant teams, high ranked teams. They've always, they've always you know, completely smashed the fluff teams. And when it comes to you know, uh, Ohio State, even Michigan State, they just tend to fall short. You know, they, right. they don't tend to you know, be explosive if they are against these fluff teams. But then again, these are fluff teams, and we're talking about Ohio State-type teams, you know, Penn State-type teams. But this is big, big time to me for Harbaugh to actually show that he can outcoach these coaches on these, you know, big-time programs. If he can, I think, I think personally, it's time for him to go. But Michigan will never let go of Harbaugh. I think he's going to get like a – you know, like a he like a has like a like a lifetime contract there at the moment. Right, like it's, he's gonna have like like a like a he's gonna have like a a, a Patino contract or like a John Calipari has at uh, Kentucky, where they just give him a, a sweetheart. We love what you've done for our program, even though he's Harbaugh's never done really nothing for Michigan. You know, yet you know he can do something later on. I'm not talking about yet. We're talking about at this moment. You know what I'm saying? So like, I personally think his job should be online, but it's not gonna be right. Um, I mean, so, you got to put it in, like, perspective, too. Like, if for some reason it doesn't work out with Harbaugh, it's like, who, who do you go – who who do you target after that then? You know, like, who's – Who do oh, I target? You know, that's, that's, that's a big hypothetical. You know, know, what, I, know, what, you know what I want to target? I'd, I'd, look, I'd look for a, a coach like a P.J. Fleck who started at the bottom at a, at a smaller school and has worked their way up and every single program that they've touched has gotten better, has taken on their mantra and carried it over. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what kind of I would go for. Somebody who is, who is hungry, who is passionate to, uh, you know, to blaze their own trail, to, 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 to put their name, you know, at a school to make their name a household name, you know what I'm saying? Like five, six, seven years ago, no one knew who PJ Fleck was. You know what right. I'm saying? And then Row Row Ro, Ro, Boat came along, and then next thing you know, everybody in Minnesota knows who PJ Fleck is. You know what I'm saying? Household name. 
you know, in Michigan, in Minnesota. So I think those coaches that come out of nowhere and just grind and just grind and just grind, like my man uh, Beeline, you know what I'm saying? You start at the high school level and you've done everything all up until the, the point of, you know, now he's in the NBA. So I, I really like those coaches who come from, you know, humble beginnings and I'm not, and, and I don't think Harbaugh's really came from humble beginnings. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, you know, he, he's gone from San Diego State to Stanford to to the NFL. You know, to uh, so, Michigan. So, so are, are you like me, where like you really want to see at least some of the product, especially on the offensive side, before you really like call any shots for the season? Yes, I have to. I have right. to because I I don't I don't trust that these guys are going to stay 100% healthy and. Like I said, I can't trust Harbaugh's track record. As much as I want Michigan to be great, I'll always want them to be great. I got to go off what Harbaugh's done since he's been in Ann Arbor, and he's, since he's been in Ann Arbor, he's been able to he's been able to beat up on the he's been able to bully the smaller teams, but get bullied when the bigger teams come into town or they go to town. You know, they go to their uh, house. So, like, I have I haven't seen him get past that hump, and until he does. Until he brings us to the uh, the national championship game or the playoffs or even give us a Big Ten title, you know what I'm saying? I think we've earned it with patience. Waiting with this man, Michigan fans have you know we've we've been patient. We've been giving this guy a benefit of doubt. And to me, every time I put on something and there's the news about him, it's like, oh my God, this knucklehead is representing, you know, U of M, you know, the program that I love. So right. I, I hope he takes it serious. I hope he doesn't be picking his nose, eating his boogers on the sidelines anymore. Um, I just, I just really want him to shut his mouth and coach. You know what I'm saying? I, and I don't want to be like, shut up and dribble. You know, say because because I love that these that these guys in these sports have this platform and they can, you know, all, by all means use them when you can. But at this point, dude, I'm just like Harbaugh. I don't want to hear about your issues with. Uh, uh, with um the the coach right like the head coach at michigan should not be concerned with the head coach at cincinnati by any means you know like historically uh you know in terms of conference just michigan and cincinnati even though they're both power five teams they're just on totally different platforms so it's kind of like it's kind of petty like i i would be frustrated as well Right. And, and, you know, I, I'm from a school of thought is that if people hurl expletives at me or, or accusations, I feel like if I respond back, you know what I'm saying? With like, it, it, it's going to make me look guilty. Right. If I'm the one that's like, like if you hurl all these accusations at me and I just brush it off and, and the only time I bring it up is when the media asks me a question, I'm just like, it's false. Let's move on from that. You know what I'm saying? I'll, I'll have more respect for somebody who doesn't want to fall into that game. I feel like Fickle is is trying to have him fall into that game. You know what I'm saying? And it's working perfectly, you know? And, yeah. and, and like said, why? It's not going to behoove Cincinnati. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, he still got some little strong ties to uh, Ohio State because he played there, he coached there, and whatever. So I, I, I get it. I get it. I, I understand why he's kind of upset with it. But like you said, you're coaching somewhere else now, buddy. You know, you're not, you're not, you're, you're, you're not, you're not a Bearcat. You're not a, you're not a Buckeye no more. So, so act like that and just drop this whole a Twitter war back and forth. I think it's like, why are you wasting your time and expending your energy 
on this when you have a point to prove to all of the Blue and Mays fans out there. We don't care about your your tweets. We don't care about your satellite camps. We don't care about your helmets to the Pope. I care about wins and losses. I care about Big Ten. I care about making it to the playoffs. And I think everyone else who's a Michigan fan, my, let me rephrase that. Anyone else who is a competent Michigan fan, mm-hmm. who's a realist, you know what I'm saying, would agree with me. You know, it's right. it's those other, those other ones that are just drink the Kool-Aid without any kind of thought or repercussion afterwards. So, yeah. So, real quick, um, just answer this question for me, and then we'll move on to um, our non-sports topic, which I'm really excited about. Okay, um, go ahead. It's a successful season for Michigan if? If they make the playoffs. They have to make the playoffs. This is why we brought – this is why they brought – Harbaugh here, all right, to to turn this program around, to make us a powerhouse. I want to see us run the, the score up on State. I want to see us run the score up on Ohio State. I want to see us win the Big Ten, and I want us to get at least get beat at one of the four in the playoffs. If that happens, then I can look forward to the next seasons. If it doesn't, then what am I doing? I just feel like you're we're building another Lions franchise in Ann Arbor. So you kind of feel like if this isn't the year to make the playoff, um, then it might not happen at all. It might not happen at all under Harbaugh. I, under I, Harbaugh. I felt that way going into 2015 when D'Antonio had one of his best defenses and one of his best offenses, you know, Connor Cook at quarterback, and they did make the playoff. And, you know, it's been kind of an uphill battle since. So, you know, we've I kind of, yeah, I get where you're coming from with that. Like, there's got to be some kind of sense of urgency there. It has to be. I mean, I mean, if there isn't, that just shows me that Harbaugh knows that he can just, I don't know, sit in a hammock, sit on his little porch swing and, and, and drink his lemonade and know that he's going to be fine win, win or lose. And that doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. So I was saying, we both kind of grew up with the Ninja Turtles. And um, lately, the co-creator, Kevin Eastman, has been teasing a, uh, a more adult live-action show for Netflix. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm not against it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I could, definitely, I could definitely do that. But not only if it's a live-action show, he wants to go back to, like, its, um, its comic book roots, where it was more like a um, – Hmm. More of adult, more dark, you know. Yeah, more dark. It was it was more adult um, uh, centered. They it was really gory. You know, they didn't just beat up dudes. They like sliced and diced them up. You know what I'm saying? Like like a pizza pie. uh, No pun intended. But yeah, dude, I think um they asked Eastman. Someone asked him at Comic Con if um if he'd be willing or want a show kind of like how Marvel did with Daredevil, how, how they he kind of brought Daredevil back into the fray and not made it too campy, but also, you know, uh, made it more, you know, honed to, to adults. And, you know, right. he, he answered back with this. He's like, I feel like that's a direction I think we can go and there'll be enough of an audience to support both because we do see a lot of fans asking when we uh, 
when, when can we get that edgy, you know, like Netflix daredevil sort of intensity of the turtles at the same time, you can balance that with uh, such a wonderful cartoon series like Rise of the Turtles, the new series, back to the, to the spot where uh, we're sacred uh, to a much younger audience. So I think that's hopeful in the future. I'd love to see that, really. So what it tells me is like he doesn't want to go that daredevilish and that edgy with it because he still wants to hold on to his younger audience. Me, I say, F that. We were once his younger audience. And we want the edginess. We want it. I want it. I want to see that. Right. And I hope, and I hope they don't make it like uh, the uh, the next mutation. You remember that uh, show? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, when they had like Venus the Milo, the, uh, the chick uh, superhero, and they all looked like they had Down syndrome or something. <laughs> like that. Like I, I could. Was, I think it was like it was like the the Walmart version of what they used for the the movies right beforehand. Oh my god, it was ridiculous. like but let me tell you something. If they if they go back to the feel of the very first Ninja Turtle movie the with the best one, you mean you agree? If they go back to those suits and they go back to that grittiness and that feel, boy, boy oh boy oh boy, I think they would hit it out of the park. Absolutely. Oh definitely. I mean Raphael taught me my first swear word on TV. You know? <laughs> um but yeah, that would definitely like I don't see how that wouldn't be a success. Like you know, they don't have to go like full edgy, but I need like at least 75 to 80% of that, you know? Like we've we've got ample Ninja Turtle cartoons that are like centered toward kids. And I feel sometimes kind of weird rewatching episodes that are meant for, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. I want something that's like watching the Christopher Nolan Batman movies or watching, right. you know, Infinity War. I want something like that, only with the Ninja Turtles, you know, some because everything has gotten a, a couple reboots or has like been done to the Michael Bay movies. Like they weren't as bad as some people want to say, but, you know, the Turtles looked mute. I, mean, I almost said mutated. I mean, they're supposed to be mutants, but they just looked so wrong that it was like, even if the movies were spectacular, it's so difficult to get over how the turtles looked. So like, that's an important key for me. And I just, I want that type of show that I can watch and kind of like relate to my childhood like that. Right. Oh, most definitely. And like what you said about the turtles, like you're right. I think what helped out was that, is that base stayed so close to the cartoon. You yeah, know what I'm saying we, we got Bebop and Rocksteady. We didn't get Token and Razor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we actually got uh Craig and the Brain. You know, Shredder. You know, we actually got that. You know what I'm saying? So when I saw that and like them trying to bring the Technodrome over and all the Bowsers and stuff like that, like I got that. I understand that they had Baxter in the thing, even right. though it was even though it was Medea. I think it should have been <laughs> Medea. But the, the, you know, they he actually stuck to what the what the cartoon, you know. Uh, kids grew up watching. Right, like the feel of everything f- was right in those two movies that Michael Bay did, but there were still just like a few things that were off. And then again, it was just so hard to get over the way they fucking looked. It was so it was so off putting, you know? It was like, yeah, almost like alien esque. Exactly. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's just in the rumor stages right now. But we would just, you know, 
if Netflix, if you're listening, I know you are. I know everybody at Netflix is listening to us right now. <laughs> they <laughs> better got to be. be all in on this. I heard the rumors are a movie and a live action TV show. I, I think that'd be great. And you know what? With Mike, with with uh, with Eastman's comments about saying that we kind of don't want to go that far edgy because we gotta we gotta um, worry about our younger audiences. I'm gonna say to him, Teen Titans go and Titans the show. You, you, you're talking about the same squad, right? But you're talking about Teen Titans go. That's for kids. It's on Nickelodeon. And then you're talking Titans. The live action show is like. Raw, gritty, beaten up, saying "fuck Batman," cracking heads, killing people. You know what I'm saying? So you can have that. You can right. have that. Like Titans is a good show, even though I think DC Universe is gonna like end up going bankrupt because I don't because you know the Swamp Thing didn't work out for them. Right. Doom Patrol didn't work out for them as much as they as they wanted to. Even though I, I enjoy Doom Patrol. Um, I, I think Titans is a really good show. That's why they're bringing and bringing it back. But you can't have that. You can have the Teen Titans go for the kids, and then you can have the Titans for the ones that watch Teen Titans go as a kid, but grew up and mature now, and they want to kind of see that. You know, I think what we're asking for is what Wolverine fans asked for when they got Logan. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? We want we Wolverine fans wanted to see Logan put. Uh, his claws through dudes' heads, rip off limbs, you know what I'm saying? Just tear dudes bits for bits. And we got that with Logan. And it was one of, to me, one of the greatest Marvel movies. I think Logan is so underrated. I think it was such a great movie. And that just shows you that you can do that. You can't, right. you, you can't have kids watch the uh, X-Men uh, cartoon and then grow up later on and just want to see uh, uh, a Wolverine just rip dudes apart limb for limb. Exactly. I think we, we, we want to see that with the Turtles as well. And I don't think that's too much to ask. And I don't think it's going to hurt his younger audience because the younger audience is always going to grow up. They're going to mature. They're going to get into action movies because they, they obviously like Ninja Turtles when they're kids. They're going to get into action movies and they're going to want to see more than, you know, just Cowabunga did and flipping a pizza up, you know what I'm saying? Right. Which is cool. We're going to want to see more than that. Exactly. We just want to be able to watch, like, the updated version. So, that's that's the dream, man. Anyways, I actually got to cut us short. I'm so sorry, dude, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, we're good, man. I'm just, I'm I'm glad we could have got together together. We've been going crazy, crazy this past few weeks. For so. sure. Um, we'll try again next week, and um, yeah, we got to everything we want to get to on this one. So, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Beers for Radio. I'm Sasha, and I'm Joe. Cowabunga! <laughs> this episode of the Beers for Radio podcast is brought to you by. Farbar Fashion Clothing and Design. Make sure to go to far-ebar.com to browse products and hopefully buy something because it's all authentic, handmade, and from a very small business. So support your small businesses and go to far-ebar.com. Tell them the beard sent you. It probably won't get you anything, but just do it. <laughs>